Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Austin Healy, and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. This week, I'm joined by Lawrence Alelio. Hello, Lawrence. Hello, Austin. Not yet. Not yet. I'll get to you later. Okay. We're going to take stock of uh, an eventful few weeks of international rugby, and we're also going to look ahead to a huge weekend in the Aviva Premiership with four games live on BT Sport. But before we get into all of that, here's a quick taste of what else will be coming up on the pod. Ali Eakin spent some time at Wasps chatting to Elliot Daly on his return from the England camp. We were ready definitely for the season, but mentally we probably thought it would just happen. When we had a couple of losses, we got down to it and we were like, right, we need to get back on this now. We want to want to get back into that final game. That's what we want to do. So we needed to perform and, and luckily we got a couple of wins and, and now the squad's looking good and bolstered and ready to go. And Saracens and England star Mako Vunapola was our guest for the live studio show. I used to love uh, watching John Long, just the way that he kind of destroyed players on the field. So, lol. Autumn Internationals, pretty good. I mean, I can't remember most of them. I was with you in the green room and maybe had one or two too many drinky poos along the way. Yeah, I think it was a uh, successful Autumn International Series for most of the teams. What what do we take out of it? Well, England, Ireland and New Zealand went unbeaten. So, uh, basically, number one in the world, New Zealand is still number one. Number two in the world... England are still number two. And number and, th- and Andy Murray's number three. <laughs> Andy he's Murray. had a difficult start to the year. He's now number three. Well, it's the first year he's not going to be Sports Personality of the Year. So Who uh, are you going to go for whilst we're on the subject? Um, I notice there's no rugby players there, is there? I there mean, shouldn't be any rugby players, no. really. Sure, it's team sport. Uh, Chris Froome has to win it for me. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I don't know. Anthony Joshua. Oh, come on. He's only beaten one good guy. <laughs> he, I th- well, he, as, if he's here, then Joshua gets it, obviously. But he's not here, so <laughs> we give it to Chris Froome. Exactly. Now, Froome, Froome deserves it. He was third, wasn't he, last time, I thought. Yeah. So he's got a chance. Anyway, no rugby players, which is interesting. But Ireland have moved up to number three. So if we start with England... Um, well, it's the two-year period now, isn't it, after Eddie Jones has taken over. They've got an amazing win record, 95%. I think when he first took over, you'd have to say he made quite significant strides. It's probably, you know, this Autumn International Series has been good, but I'd say probably little steps. They probably, you know, yeah. made little improvements. He's probably added to the talent pool in terms of the World Cup for, you know, Japan 2019. But I wouldn't say he's learned anything hugely different from a squad that he didn't already know. No, but he's added to the trophy cabinet as well. And yeah. uh, World Coach of the Year. I still think Owen Farrell should have got World Player of the Year. I think he's had a better year than Bowden Barrett. That's a different subject. We might get onto that later. Who knows? Probably not, because it, it's not that interesting. But, yeah, I think 
take Argentina out, which was a difficult game, and it always is against Argentina. I think it's been a successful autumn. Lots of injuries. He still had the core of his squad. Interestingly, the two players he's picked most are Rob Shaw and Ford. And yet they're still the two players that probably are spoken about the most in terms of being left out in the future. So it, I think he knows what he likes. And it's it's apparent that it's very difficult to get into that circle of trust. Yeah, and I think if you're looking at standout players from England's point of view, Elliot Daly, again, um, having looked like he picked up a knee injury going into the Autumn International Series, his place might have been in doubt. It's probably, well, he was voted the old mutual wealth player of the Autumn International Series, England's player. And few people could argue with that in terms of the way he took his opportunities. I was uh, impressed with Sam Simmons in his debut as a starting number eight. Um, Eddie Jones, I said, noticed, I said, he needs to eat more. I think what he means is he needs to be a lot bigger if he wants to survive in international rugby. What's he going to do, put him on the rack? <laughs> I mean, it's an old tactic they had in ancient England, but it was more to do with putting the Scots on it. I don't, I don't think he's going to put one of his own players on the well, rack, is he? Well, he's... Uh, he came in the squad by saying that players need to eat less because they're too overweight, they're not fit enough. Now he's actually saying they need to eat more. So maybe if he sits next to Jamie George in training sessions and well, in the hotel... And Thomas Waldron back at Exeter. He can borrow some of his food instead. But uh, I thought I was really impressed with the way he played and I'd love to see him get a run at number seven. Um, well, talk to me about Henry Slade because I think he played with enough confidence, uh, particularly in that last game against Samoa, but perhaps not quite done enough to sort of nail down a permanent selection. Yeah, he's on the fringe, isn't he? I think he's a little bit like, remember when you were at school and you had to do the swimming test and put your pyjamas on and tread water? <laughs> I think he's a little bit like that at the minute. He either needs to shed the pyjamas or get out the pool. Exactly. But he's definitely got to do something different because he's not going to break into that back line as a starter. He could find himself on the bench. He could mm. find himself as a very good impact player. And someone not who's not just an impact player, but gives them a lot of flexibility in selection. Um, because we know he can play 10, he can play 12, he can play 13. But it didn't quite work for him, did it? He was just a little bit off with his position. His passing a few times was a little bit high, sometimes behind. His pace is pretty good, but it's not electrifying. And it, it's those little edges at international level that stand you apart. You have to be slightly quicker than everyone else, and you have to be slightly more precise. So he might miss out, but um, who knows? In terms of moving forward, Eddie, He's got probably another five players he can add to the mix now well, going got, on in the next two years. Yeah, and he's also got Jack Knoll, who's coming back. Uh, I guess Ben Teo. Yeah. Quite interestingly, what Eddie Jones hasn't done in two years is he's not really put a battering ram in the midfield because he's yeah. not been able to. But with Tua Lange looking like he might be on the bench for Leicester against Wasps yeah. at the weekend. I mean, if him or Ben Teo have a good run of games, then England has suddenly got different options in the midfield. If Manu's fully fit and he stays fit until the end of the season, he'll be in the England team next year. I don't think there's any dispute in that. It's the question is, like you said, who's going to miss out? But Scotland as well, I thought, were pretty good. Mm. Um, they'll be very happy with their result against Australia, as most sides would. Australia, two of their biggest defeats ever against England and Scotland. Um, amazing performance from the Scots. Uh, Finn Russell is uh, off, though, to France. We're seeing lots of this now, the Welsh guys going over the border, and now they're all sort of being reeled back in by Warren Gatland. He's got the fishing rod out and the hook's in their mouth, and they're all coming home. But <laughs> everyone else seems to be thinking, oh, I, I quite fancy a little well, bit of I the Euro. I mean, I don't think the Scots can... Uh there's not enough players for them to start putting down those kind of guidelines on their selection. And yeah. I'm sure Finn Russell will uh, thoroughly enjoy his time at Racing and uh, try and keep them on the straight and narrow. I was really impressed with Scotland and Gregor Townsend seems to have brought that kind of, that Gregor attacking flair of just really having a go at opponents. And suddenly they've actually become 
probably a very dangerous opponent for any team in the in the Six Nations. Don't it's good they? to see a side playing like the coach wants them to play. And that's really evident with Scotland. Really quick uh, line-outs, very fast points of contact, mini mulls, mini rooks, very, very quick. And they've got individuals in that bat line that can do a lot of damage. And uh, looking forward to seeing that Scotland-England game though coming up because Eddie Jones had a little bit of a pop, didn't he, today at them saying, well, we've heard all this before from you, Scotland. Let's find out when we get up there. And I think that could be one of the games of the Six Nations. But we'll get to that later on. New Zealand, let's move on to them, shall we? Um, yeah. Have they have they lost it? No, I think they they certainly uh, you could certainly tell it was the end of, the, of a long year for them. You know, end of the season, no Kieran Reid in that last game. So I think they're always a much stronger side when he's there. Uh, I wouldn't say they've lost it. I mean, it was you know what people forget is that they've had their hard one of their hardest international periods right at, recently against the Lions. You know, so we talk about our Lions players coming back and needing a rest. Well, the New Zealand Lions players have played a series at home. That was a tough few weeks for them, both domestically and international. And and they've just got to get on a plane and, 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 you know, they do put themselves about New Zealand. They obviously were played in France, played against Wales, finished off there, Scotland. Um, so, you know, it's been a tough schedule for them. I think the Scots took a bit of a shine off them, which was good to see. Yeah. Did you watch the Wales game? I know it was after the England International, so you probably couldn't see the screen. Um, <laughs> I saw the first few minutes. I didn't, I didn't... <laughs> well, and then it just got a bit blurred after well, that, then, then, around then, the edges. Then I didn't really... It was an incredible second half. I mean, unbelievably intensity they played. I was watching it at home um, and uh, it, it was in one of the wings. And um, I can't remember which one. It was the long one. Uh, but anyway, it was... Um, it's the it one, was with, an incredible... one with all your international shirts along the wall. I yeah, think, along yeah. the wall. It's about it's about 60 metres long, that corridor. The um, But I was watching it and I, I remember thinking, oh, oh, this is an incredible game. And then I thought, oh, there could only be 10 minutes left. I looked at the clock. Yeah. There was only 46 minutes gone. Yeah. And I thought, my God, those players must be absolutely exhausted. And then eventually Wales sort of gave way. But until that point, they were really good value for the way that they played. And they've got South Africa this weekend who will, well, be dreading going to well, Wales I the think way they played. It's a good opportunity. I mean, as sad as it is to say, we're not even talking about South Africa being in the top few sides in the world. So I think it'd be a chance for Wales to, to get a good win, having been beaten by Australia again and having, as you say, come out uh, second best against New Zealand and it's going to be fascinating to see how, how Wales go after the South Africa game um, but I think just just finishing on New Zealand I think the gap is closing a little bit There's they're, they're not quite the same New Zealand that were at their very peak uh, maybe last year I mean they obviously continue to innovate and surprise us but for me the Lion series and this recent tour just shows a tiny bit of vulnerability in a few positions. And, uh, you know, on their day, they're still the best side in the world. But I'm sure the others will be thinking, you know, in Japan on a neutral ground, we can have a crack at them. Yeah, I think so. They haven't got as many X-Factor players as I remember in recent times. I only I thought was very no, you good are the weekend. Yeah, you are. Reed still at his very best. The two second rows uh, or three second rows, Retallick, Whitelock, whoever you pick in that combination. But as you see, and Bowden Barrett, you know, um, is you know is still well. He's the world player of the year, so so he must be quite good then. Yeah, I wouldn't I write them off too much. He's all right. Now, let's not write them off. But I I think one of the interesting things coming out of this week in the press is uh, Faletau and uh, Jamie Roberts going back and playing out that side of the Premiership window, and some talk about the clubs being fined. I, I find that a bit well, I strange. Think it, it is very strange, but I think there's a, there's a rule that uh, around you know world rugby releasing players for international duty, but the clubs have got this kind of autumn international series, which usually lasts three games for England. 
the players are now back in their clubs. But for some of these other countries, Wales have organised an additional fixture. Um, so this is where the uh, the problems lie. Falatau has actually got a clause in his contract with Bath that he can be released. So whether Bath wants to keep him or not, he's off to play international rugby. Roberts, clearly his agent's not quite as good. <laughs> And he hasn't got that same release no, he's, clause. No, he's got one about free muffins. <laughs> he gets free chocolate muffins at every train station he visits, which I, I personally would prefer than going back and playing uh, for Wales. Uh, but the uh, yeah, I, I don't know why the other clubs would have an objection because if you think about it, they're not going to be playing these great players. Falatau is not going to be playing at the weekend against another Premiership side. So why would you object? Well, I think because uh, as a block of Premiership clubs, they've they've organised this release period, which is only for three weeks. So. Yeah. Strictly speaking, that release clause should not have got through the Premiership lawyers. But clearly what's happened is that Bath haven't shown PRL that, that release clause and uh, and he's free to go. So I think it's what you're dealing with here is a kind of a, a power struggle between the, the individual clubs who own the players, as far as I can see, and Premiership Rugby trying to say, look, we need our best players playing club rugby whenever they can. It says here that Owen Williams, Priestland, Francis, uh, uh, Tipperick all back... Uh, well, sorry, Ball and Tipperick are back after injury, but the others are back at their clubs. I heard today that Roberts, though, is going to stay and play. So that'll find its way out in the press anyway, I'm sure, as the end of the week goes on. Uh, they hammered the box in the last fixture, didn't they? Um, yeah, I can't see... Do you know what? I can't see things changing very much. Um, South Africa, as we know, uh, have lost a few games, there, but they beat Italy 35-6 away in Italy. So that gave them a little bit of confidence, but I, I wouldn't... Uh, I don't know. I mean, with all the absentees that Wales have got, all those injuries, that some of the injuries you just mentioned, do you think they're still favourites for that game? No, I think South Africa will win that game. Oh. I think with all the changes, they've made so many changes, the Welsh guys, over the last few weeks. Uh, another Welsh news, Scott Williams, he's leaving the Scarlets. He's going to be joining the Lions. See what I've done there? He's not really. He can't. He's, he's banned from yeah. all Lions he's events not, moving forward. He's joining the Ospreys. Um, but that's pretty much rounds up all the international games. Is there anything else you'd like to pick up from the internationals? Well, uh, no, Mike Tyndall's behaviour in the green room no, I thought was well, unacceptable at times. Well, listen, he's, uh, he's old news now that uh, Prince Harry's getting married to uh, yeah. Meghan. You know, that's it now. He's... Uh, He's not on the uh, not on the front pages anymore. Um, do you reckon he'll go on the stag do though? Uh, I know Greenwood will have himself put forward for Harry's stag do definitely. Well, I did like well Greenwood will be pushing his cause. I noticed the way Jack Whitehall tweeted Kens at Kensington Palace. Am I invited? And where's the stag do? <laughs> well, uh, but then again, he is a comedian, so yeah. it's probably just a joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well done. Okay, let's move on, shall we? Well, that's it for the internationals, lol. It was uh, great spending some Saturdays with you. Although I can't remember um, anything after four o'clock on any three of them. But uh, now, one man returning from international duty to his club in a better state this weekend is England's Mako Vunapola. And the Saracen star was the guest of our live studio show this week. Here are the best bits of all of his chat. It's not very long. Do you know you have a song? You've got a song like a Marowatoji song. Do you want to hear it? Do you know he has his own song? Please, choir, can you one. hit it there, please? Yeah. For one, two, three, I don't milk four. it, pal. Just get on with it. That's good. Yeah, that's quite good. Cheers. <laughs> they never sing a game day, though, do they? <laughs> How are you? How's life? Yeah, good. Uh, obviously, come back from camp. Feel quite good. Body's in good, uh, healthy. Um, that's a good thing. And now I'm ready to get back into the season with Saris. 
Uh, I want to talk about Billy for a moment. A, his criticism of your biscuits, which, which is a, a major <laughs> problem. What's the problem with your biscuits? He was slagging you off publicly about your cooking. Yeah, uh, he always does that. He slags off my cooking, but then he finishes it anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but uh, I can't really remember cooking biscuits. Um, it's always healthy with my, my cooking. <laughs> of course it is. Um, he's always outspoken, and he speaks his mind. We like that about Billy. And his quotes have been interesting over the past the course, few weeks, basically talking about the, just the workload on current Premiership players when they're playing for their country as well and you're coming back from Lions tours and it's an awful lot of games and they say maybe it's a bit too much and there's talk of strike action. Um, your, your thoughts on all that, Maka? What do you think? Do you agree with your brother on that front? Oh, it's tough, obviously, um, when you're playing the highest level, which is what you want to be as a player and um, it's always going to take a toll on your body but I think uh, it's not my place to decide uh, how many games or how long the season is um, and for him, uh, I think he just needs to concentrate on his rugby and get back out playing instead of running his mouth a little bit too much. Oh, there's the slap. <laughs> there's the clip around the air. Uh, it is interesting, though, because people are listening and the professional game board are meeting at the moment with Premiership Rugby because they want to make sure it's, you know, keeping players safe and healthy over the course of a long season. And this was the headline in The Guardian today. They're saying Premiership may be reduced to 10 teams in a bid to avert player strike. Gentlemen, your thoughts on that? Well, it's two things. I mean, when you play international rugby like we all have, there's a lot more pressure on you as a player. You know, for Billy Amaco, they're playing at the top end of the game, so European Cup finals, Premiership finals, then they go off and play for England. But then there's a whole group of other players who are back home at their clubs who actually don't play international rugby and they're not playing that much rugby. So, you know, it's, I mean, what I would say is that the guys at the top of the game, like Billy Amaco, you know, something has to give because they do play too much rugby. But uh, I think the global season is being discussed and, and hopefully... Uh, you know, common sense. It's going to be a vote. tough vote to win that, isn't it? Because 30% of the guys aren't going to vote for it because they're not going to have a club. So it's, you know, and all the top guys are going to ine inevitably end up in the top 10 clubs. So I think they've got it about right. There's some, uh, some more rest periods they could have, but you just got to be clever. So round about now, you just give someone a whack, you get a three or four week break, you get Christmas off, Christmas Day, <laughs> Boxing Day, New Year's Eve off at home, and then you get a chance to get into the Six Nations really fresh and you can have a proper Christmas dinner. There you go. Simple, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it just sensible. takes a little bit more thinking. No, you're right. You're always the thinking that, weren't you? Uh, what's going on out in social media there? What's going on? Well, I presume we've got loads of questions. We'll pop a few up. We, ha we had some early. Some of your old teammates obviously knew you were coming in. Not old teammates. Well, one of them is very old. Um, and here he is. Uh, James Haskell. Uh, how much <laughs> cash do you have buried in your garden? Is it true you once ate someone? Uh, uh, I, think for, I, think for, I think for legal reasons, I wouldn't answer either of those Being questions. Iconic. He's eaten at least two people. <laughs> Uh, do you want to dodge that question or do you want yeah, to answer please, it? Yeah, uh, Okay, let's move on please. then. Uh, well, you are uh, saying money is buried uh, in your No, garden. there's no money. There's no money. <laughs> <laughs> just, just ignore oh, Haskell. No, please, go ignore yeah. If you weren't, this is from at Thompson21. If you weren't playing rugby, what would you be doing? Uh, great question. Uh, I would not have a clue what I'd want to be doing. What do you want to do when you retire then? Another Dig the bloody question. garden up, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll be gardening, um, <laughs> trying to find my cash. <laughs> I only know that I like sports or anything to do with, uh, maybe not coaching, but anything in sport, really. OK, and if uh, this is from uh, at Rugby Stig, uh, have you or Billy tried playing in the other one's position? If so, who was better? Uh, um, <laughs> Billy was probably better playing prop than I was at number eight. Uh, really? Yeah, I think a bit too slow and too fat to be playing number eight. Uh, so you've got a lot of tries from the 22. Good. I think you're just being modest there. Joe Marler. Um, he's, well, someone's typed this in for him. Oh. Uh, <laughs> 
Why are your earlobes so flappy? <laughs> I keep telling them it's, it's when rugby started, so when rugby started getting serious, my ears got took the toll and... Walt's got an interesting fact on this. Bigger earlobes, more wisdom. That's the... That's oh, what, that's yeah, what that as well. <laughs> you are one smart yeah. puppy. That's why, Mar <laughs> that's why Marla has tiny earlobes, you've yeah. noticed. Uh, at Exploding Softly, is Owen Farrell actually best mates with James Haskell? Uh, they get along. Um, well, but... he says that. I mean... <laughs> Isn't James Haskell best mates with James Haskell? Uh, no comment. OK, good one. Well dodged. And I stole that joke off Lawrence, who had it in rehearsals. Um, <laughs> at Chrono Joe's, what differentiates a props diet to another player's diet? Uh, just eat less. You, you know, eat less? Yeah. So. How hard is it? I mean, <laughs> you've, been, you've, been in a, you've been in camp for three weeks in the hotel, and we've been there, and the food is amazing at that hotel we yeah. stay. I don't want to name where it is, but it's Peniel Park. And um, <laughs> it's really difficult to stay off the food, no, isn't yeah. it? yeah, it is uh, tough, especially back in the week. Uh, you have a few more treats, but... No, I tend to be quite good at uh, dodging them. Too, so. Is it still Friday chocolate tw treats when yeah. you all meet in the physio room and then the forwards just yeah. hit the backs out the way and then get to the chocolate first? <laughs> they actually took it away for a couple of weeks and um, the SSC got a bit of an earful from the players, so now they're back. So yeah, very happy. With Talk that. about the strike for not playing. You don't bring the chocolate <laughs> on the Friday. There's definitely a strike from the forwards. Uh, this is from Angus Hamilton. What is the best way to wind up Billy? Um, there's a few ways. <laughs> uh, just be I'm quite grumpy as it is anyway so he hates that I walk in the train and head down the whole time so yeah. he kind of gets into me for that okay well you've dodged pretty much every question so far so let's uh, <laughs> let's try this one uh, professor Moore what do England now need to do to become world number one ranked team it's quite easy they just beat everyone uh, well beat, uh, play New Zealand, play New really. Zealand would be nice yeah. that'd be a good way of starting hopefully <laughs> um, but uh, I think the way we are going at the moment, uh, we're on the right path. and uh, We're very pleased with how it's progressing, really. Who was your biggest... This is from Liam Mayer. Who was your biggest influence growing up? I used to love uh, watching Joan Long, um, just the way that he kind of destroyed players on the field. And... Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> didn't actually... Austin, Austin used to love watching Joan Long. I used to love watching him. Well, I mean, he was fast and very, yeah. very strong, and he had an well, amazing way of just batting people off yeah. like flies. Yeah. And, uh, anyway... It's, it was nice. Um, yeah. You, you all um, you're all fixed for this weekend then, yeah? No, good, yeah. So yeah. feel good after the camp and uh, ready to go for it, yeah. So, Austin, uh, having come back from international duty, you and I, uh, who would you say are the kind of real winners and losers in terms of players coming back in broken pieces and... You know, what, what sort of clubs do they come back to? Because some clubs have taken advantage of, uh, of players missing. Saracens, as you say, have lost a couple of fixtures. Which lost is their last four games, Saracens. Very, very... Is, I mean, is that a worry or is that just because so many players are away on international duty and they'll click yeah. straight back into gear? Two of them Anglo-Welsh, uh, the other two with difficult fixtures. Exeter played very well in the last game. I don't think it'll be too much of a worry. And in some ways for Saris, it's they. I think they quite like it mid-season. They know that they've got their big stars coming back. They might not all play yeah. every week, but just the fact that they're back at their club and they're back in training it gives everybody yeah. a bit of a and lift. I, and I think with Saracens, 
because they were in such a strong position before those guys went away, they were at the top of the table. They could probably afford to lose one or two games. Yeah. Unlike, say, Harlequins, who have kind of really struggled with the likes of Brown, Kerr, Rob Shaw, all the various players being away. And those guys have all played, and a few of them have had injuries, and they're going to be expected to come straight back into that Quinn side. It's difficult. I think if you look at the losers, I would say uh, Harlequins have been a loser, Saracens less so, Leicester definitely. Um, if you look at the bookmakers, Leicester have moved from predicted to finish third to now predicted to finish fifth or sixth. Gloucester, on the other hand, who at the start of the season were predicted to finish eighth, are now predicted to finish third. So it's amazing how a two-week period of the Premiership can really turn things around. And I think Gloucester have been excellent. Worcester in their last two games, winning at Welford Road for the first time ever at the weekend, is a, is a huge success for them. And Exeter back at the top of the pile. So those are the three winners for me. And if we go to the other end of the table, um, you know, with, as you say, Worcester picking up that win... Uh, Irish going down at Wasps, although they put in a very good performance and the week before against Bath. It's probably a little bit too early to say they're totally doomed because they're still picking up bonus points. They picked up one against Bath and another one against Wasps. Yeah, it's too early to say they're totally doomed, but they're totally doomed. Um, <laughs> they've got no chance of surviving this league whatsoever. Well, speaking of which, there is one way they may survive, and that's if relegation and promotion is ring-fenced. And that was something that was uh, talked about already. It's come up and reared its head again this week. Bristol are cruising in the championship with a budget, obviously... Uh, several times, well, bigger than most several countries. Several times the size yeah. of your house, really. I mean, it's... It's not that big. It's bigger than the Vatican's budget, but <laughs> it's, it's not bigger than my house. It's in the multi-millions. I'm talking about the outhouse, not your house. OK, fair enough. Um, but uh, whoever sort of, uh, you know, ends up finishing bottom out of Irish or Worcester or, or perhaps one of the others that gets dragged into it, they could possibly uh, be given a reprieve. I mean, what's your view on that? Well, I saw something else as well today about a 10-league of either Premier... A 10-league? <laughs> a 10-team yeah. league. So they're obviously... They've got concerns about player welfare, but the players haven't got that much concern about the rising wages. And so, you know, it, they both go hand in hand. Uh, it's a bit like the NFL. This happened in the NFL years and years ago where they started complaining, they got paid more, and then they realised, you know what, over the course of our uh, career, we're going to earn about the same, but our careers are shorter. Yeah, shorter career, more money. But the other yeah. I mean, the other option is a 13-team premiership, and then every so often each team gets a bye week, gets a free bye. Well, it'd be interesting so if they did it after the end of this season, wouldn't it? Because obviously Bristol, who've stacked most of their wage bill into next season, would be uh, slightly aggrieved, allegedly. Um, so... I, I, I always like promotion and relegation because it's great to look up and it's great to look down in the league and so it applies pressure and different standards of play and you get to the March, April, May period and sides are absolutely no, panicking for a win and it's great TV for us. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, but if that's going to happen, the team that comes up has to be given a parachute payment that allows them to spend the same salary as the teams that are already up there. Because at the moment, if you look at the top of the Premiership uh, and pretty much all the way down to about eighth or ninth, you've got teams that are spending up to you know seven, eight million pounds, whatever the salary cap is. And then suddenly you get a team like London Welsh or whoever it might be that comes up and they just go straight back down again. So, you know. Yeah, but I think the way that they've got around that is by getting rid of the playoffs in the Championship because that enables a side to plan. 
they don't know. You could be the best side like Bristol all year and then you lose your 10 in the first five minutes of one of the playoff games. He doesn't play the following week and he's uh, central to everything you do and it, it's an unfair playing field yeah. in that stage. But So I think they've levelled that out slightly. Yeah, but it's just interesting because the, the team that have come up, Exeter, everyone says, oh, look at Exeter. When Exeter came up into the Premiership, the salary cap was about two and a half million. Yeah. So therefore, the gap between them and everyone else was bridgeable. Now, when a team comes up, the salary cap is now seven or eight million. Yeah. You know, that becomes a lot harder to bridge that gap. Yeah. Because you can't actually sign Nonu then, can you? Which is a <laughs> bit of a pain because, he, you know, you have to sell everything for him. In fact, <laughs> you're not going to stay up if the teams run out and out comes Bath and then Nonu comes out by himself. <laughs> Bath versus Exeter. Oh, it's going to be hard for him today. <laughs> Apparently, he only lost by four points in the trial. Not a bad player. Right. Well, <laughs> look, looking at some of the individual fixtures, uh, talking about losers in the uh, or the guys that came off worst in the international window, both these sides, we get, look at the Northampton Saints against Vol they've both gone on a bit of a run, haven't they? N neither side have, are, you know, got that kind of winning feeling. And Newcastle, having started the season brilliantly, Northampton, apart from Sar the Saracens game, have picked up really, really well. But I think both sides are on a kind of four-match losing streak. Yeah, street. Newcastle had a relatively easy run of fixtures at the start, which did help them. They were playing good rugby. That's that's a given. Northampton, on the other hand, turned around that first game against Saris and then went on a really good run, found themselves at the top of the league, but have really lost their way, particularly in terms of their style. You know, they've still got all the same personnel, but they're playing like they did in the first half against Saracens for chunks of 20 or 30 minutes of each game now. And that's really hard to turn around. Um, I, I think those sides, both of them will be desperate. Friday night, uh, BT Sport 1 and 4K UHD, 7pm. Uh, we've got Lee Dixon there. He'll have plenty to say about his old club. Uh, <laughs> and also probably about his brother being the, the new referee that everyone's talking about. Um, but they both su suffered disappointing losses last weekend. Uh, to Saints to Sale and Newcastle to Gloucester. I mean, Gloucester really hammered Newcastle yeah. up there. So they'll both want to bounce I mean, back. I, I know Newcastle have won... In the past, that Franklin's Gardens, but you know, two sides lacking a little bit of confidence. I'd see probably the home side just edging that one. Interesting to see what you know how Dino approaches this game in Newcastle because they got nothing to lose. They play their best rugby when they throw it around, mm. but we might start to see the first pressure points accumulating within the Premiership now, and we'll see that on Friday night. Other Friday night games, I don't know who you think are going to win, Worcester or Sale. Well, Worcester got their tails up now, haven't they? And uh, you'd have to say that suddenly, with that win, they get that confidence that comes back in there. I saw Sale up at uh, at home at Northampton, and it was a horrible, dark, you know, wet night at the AJ Bell, and they just about edged it. But you sound surprised. Have you ever been to the AJ Bell, and it's not <laughs> yeah. a horrible, dark, no, no. wet night? No, you've not seen my BT Sport contract. <laughs> <laughs> no AJ Bell. Oh, no AJ Bell. And um, okay, so that's good. Uh, that's good um, to know. Yeah, that's excellent. not that's not true, by the way. Uh, I have been there. No, but, I actually, uh, I, I'd like to swap. I, I seem to be at Exeter a lot at the minute, which is 226 <laughs> miles from my house. Oh. I quite happily swap with Sale. I go see my dad, and yeah, you know. So if we, if you want to do a trade at any stage, just well, let me know. But who do you, you think Worcester are going to win? I think Worcester will just edge that. Yes, I do. Uh, no Steve Diamond allowed in the in the stadium at the moment, but it seems to be having quite a good effect on the team. They yeah, they're playing a lot better. <laughs> Long way that continue, eight times. Okay, uh, and then on Saturday we've got a double header, and it starts down at Sandy Park. Exeter Chiefs versus Bath. That's live on BT Sport Two on Saturday afternoon from 1.30pm. And our guest there is David Flatman. Tell you what, he had a spectacularly shiny black uh, sort of bin liner jacket on last weekend. Uh, he sort of, I noticed he tweeted a picture of him and Rihanna wearing the same jacket and he said, who do you think carried it off a bit better? I think she gave it to him. 
I think on a, a recent night out that they had him in, mean, he's he's a lister, his flats. That's why that's where he mixes. That's how he rolls. Um, but uh, extra will be in high spirits, lol, won't they? Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, they're aside. You know, we talk about winners and losers from international duty. They don't seem to be affected really very much at all. That's not to say that they don't provide players to other teams, to international teams, but uh, I just fan, you know, they're, they're just in good form, aren't they? They don't get carried away with themselves. They're the champions. And I think, unlike other teams in the past, when you carry that tag of being premiership champions, they seem to be carrying it OK. You know, it's, it can often be a burden, but, uh, you know, they're sitting there, they're top of the premiership. And, you know, yes, of course, people will say Saracens were missing players, but that was still a very, very good Saracen side that they beat at Alliance Park. And it wasn't just the fact they won. I think it was the way that they won the game. They didn't panic, as so many sides do. They didn't try and force things, as other sides do when they go there. Um, you know, they, they found their way back into the game and then they hit them right at the death with that lovely try. So, and they say now, they, they'll openly say, we know how to beat Saracens. Yeah. Are, are they getting the upper hand in the mind games, well, do you think? I, I think, listen, I, I think with a full-strength side, you know, you look at that Saracen side with the likes of Itoji and Farrell, that's a very different proposition. Um, but suddenly, a few of those players that are, get left behind, you know, I mean, first time I've seen uh, some of those Saracens players not necessarily impose themselves. So it's definitely uh, a balancing out there, but I don't think anyone's getting too carried away. Yeah, I think extra look uh, pretty damn strong at the minute, but Bath are probably the one side physically, particularly in the pack, that can take them that rumble game on. Um, Bath have got some injuries, but they've got some guys coming back. They haven't got... Ta uh, Talafau, Talafau, Falapipau, Talafau. Toby. Toby M. They haven't got him. He's not playing, and he has been in fantastic form recently. Um, so you have to make Exeter favourites yeah. for that one. And our second live game, Wasps take on Leicester at 4.15 on Saturday on BT Sport 2, and the head of the latest instalment of this blossoming local rivalry. Did, you write, did you write that? Did you write that yourself? Because that, that is, I mean, that's almost... It's just poetry. That, it is, it is. I mean, it's it's almost from Stratford. It's, it's beautiful. Ali Eakin headed over to Coventry to chat to Elliot Daly, and here's the best of their chat. It was good at the start, but it sort of tailed off towards the end. Well, that tends to be the way I perform. So, Elliot Wasps, they've had a, it's been a bit kind of up and down, a little bit all over the place. They had that period, didn't you, where nothing went right, and then now everything seems to be slightly slotting back together again. Is that the way you see it? Or? Yeah, I think so. Obviously, I've been away for a couple of weeks, but I think having the boys back training, uh, likes of Sips and Cole, Eastman, just, just some of the backs that are coming back at the moment, is really just bolstering our squad and making, I think, training a bit more competitive, which we probably needed. Uh, we, we were running on sort of the bare minimum for a while. Um, so to have uh, everyone back, everyone fit, is, I think it's good. The attack is such a big part of what happens at this club. The back line, obviously, as we know, when it moves, it really crackles. It must be thrilling to be part of when it's all functioning beautifully. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, there's some quality backs we've got at this club and got a lot of world-class players um, in the back line so and even going down right to the squad players that we got at the moment uh, guys that aren't getting in the 23 are, are quality as well so I mean when it when it goes well it goes very well um, it probably uh, needs to fire a little bit definitely this weekend uh, with, a, with a tough Leicester team coming but um, yeah when, when it's when it's good it's good when you when you were losing those games was there an element of um Panic's the wrong word, but you know, you, you stack up four or five defeats as you did in a row. Does that sort of begin to creep in and kind of eat away at confidence? I think we were panicking a little bit, probably, um, to be honest. And but I think when you panic, you make it worse, and that's probably what we didn't want to do at that, at that stage. I think we just desperately needed a win. 
Um, I don't know who the win was we, when we finally got one, um, but after that, I think it just everyone forgot about it and realised what we can do as a team. And we were we were losing games by uh, a couple of points and seven points or eight points. It wasn't it wasn't losing the game by 40 points. So it wasn't a massive issue, but. I think our attack probably wasn't firing then, but it is now, so it's great. And particularly off the back of what happened last season all the way to the Premiership final, and then to find yourself languishing in the lower echelons of the Premiership probably wasn't what everybody had planned, right? No, definitely not, yeah. I think uh, we probably... We were ready, definitely, for the season, but mentally we probably thought it would just happen. Um, I think we, we got... When we had a couple of losses, we got down to it. We were like, right, we need to get back on this now. We want to... We want to get back into that final game. That's what we want to do. So um, we needed to perform, and, and luckily we got a couple of wins, and, and now the squad's looking good and bolstered and ready to go. And Tigers, obviously, everybody gets very excited about Wasps Tigers games. Is that the same for you? I mean, does it still hold that special appeal? A because now you're very close by, and B because of all the history. Yeah, definitely. I think the history between those two games is those two clubs in, in, in games in the past has been massive. And, um, I think when, when you're growing up, you're watching those games and you want to be part of it. And now being part of it's great. And probably I never thought that Leicester would be a local derby when I was growing up and playing for Wasp. But I think now, now we've got it. We've had it. For, I think this is our fifth one now. Um, fifth game in a couple of years. It's great. And uh, the, the fans they bring are, are great as well. And there's always a little bit of niggle in the games that we're looking forward to. And yeah, it's one of those special games. When you were growing up watching those matches, did you get a proper taste for? The intensity, what it meant to everybody involved, you know, those big, big beasts going at each other, Delalio and Johnson. Yeah, it did seem more physical, that, those games. I don't know what it was. It just seemed you'd watch a normal game and you'd watch one of them games and you'd be like, yeah, that, that is a, a lot more physical. So, yeah, definitely, it's definitely something you think of. And when you think back to those sorts of skippers, does it feel like a kind of past age now? Is it, is it, is it moved to a different sort of sphere for you? I think it has, but just because... Uh, we probably had a couple of years where we weren't performing, and uh, we had a, we had a totally new squad. And since we moved up here, I think it's, it, it's this we're trying to create our legacy up here now, and that's what we want to do. We want to concentrate on us, and obviously we, we remember what happened in the past um, with, with that era. But I think we want to try and make new waves with this team, and hopefully we can we can do that again this season. Those kind of Premiership finals, those sort of European finals against Tigers, are they are they referenced in a week like this in the build-up to a game like this, or is it parked? No, it's, it's pretty much parked. I think um, we just concentrated on the last couple of games we had against them, probably. And I think the last game we had was the uh, semi-final last year, and where we probably didn't perform to our our best ability, and and we scored late on to win it in the end. But um, yeah, we, we don't want it to be that close this weekend. So they've got a number of players coming back in. As far as you're concerned, you are the England representative because of one or two casualties for Wasp, but they've, they've got a raft of players coming in, haven't they? The Youngs, Coles, Genges, Mays of this world. What kind of threats are you particularly concerned about when you think of, of the Tigers now? I think with the Tiger size, you, you always have physicality. Um, I think Coley, obviously, at scrum time is, is, is a major threat for us, and, and Genge in, in open play is, is a wrecking ball as well. So you, you match that with Youngs, Ford, Johnny May, the form he's in, and maybe if Tamua's fit as well, they've obviously got a, a tasty back line as well. So we're going to have to control the game as much as possible. And we know probably Tigers teams of the last couple of years um, had that forward back, but uh, maybe didn't have the, the, the spark in the backs. But this year they've definitely got it, and you can, you can see that. And we're going to have to shut that down early. What about, um, give us a flavour, I know it's not your area of expertise, the front row, but Ellis Genge on the march coming at you, you'll have, you'll have had to deal with it in training, I'm guessing, with England. How is that? 
Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, obviously he's a very physical guy and uh, he, he loves the ball in his hands. And I think uh, you, you, that's all you want as a player, I think. If, if, if he's coming at you, then you've got to go low, haven't you, really? That's, that's, the, only way, that's the only way forward to get him down. He's, he's obviously a quality player and he, he likes to get his hands on the ball as much as possible. And when you see someone like Johnny May in the kind of form that he's in, Elliot, you've obviously been in cracking form yourself, scoring some fabulous tries. Is there um, a kind of added, added bite to the weekend, given that you know two of the quickest blokes in the Premiership going up, up against each other? So much uh, no. at stake. Do you think yeah. about those things? No, no, I don't think about that. Come on. No, I don't. Honestly, honestly, I don't. But yeah, I think it's weird when you come out of camp. It's you kind of you, you look forward to playing them because you get to see those guys again after the game and stuff, and, and you get to challenge yourself against them. So uh, that's all I'm thinking about this weekend. You, I mean, we know you're quick, and I know that you've been measured pretty pretty close to sort of Carlin Isles territory on that try you scored against the Samoans. But um, a foot race, you and Johnny May, who's taking that? I reckon Johnny's got it. He's he's a very quick individual. And uh, did you have him over a short distance? I don't know. I don't think so. He's he he is rapid. He's an, he's an athlete, and he's and he showed it over the last uh, how many rounds of the Premiership and in the uh, England games as well. Yeah, I think he's he's the one to catch at the moment. So, uh, Ross Leicester, I mean, who better to talk about that fixture really live on BT Sport 2, Saturday, 4.15pm than... You and Ben Kay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll just get him on the phone, see what he thinks. Uh, yeah. But Oh, it's a big, big game because of where they both are in the league, how they're both playing. Wasps weren't particularly great last weekend against Irish. A different side for Wasps, admittedly. And Leicester at home. Leicester have really struggled without Ford. Without George Ford in that 10 shirt, they have not been putting their game together. Yeah, and I guess for Leicester, you know, for them, the season has kind of gone up until last weekend. It's kind of almost exactly what they expected, really. They're sort of there or thereabouts. For Wasps, on the other hand, they had that shocking start to the season, albeit they played some tough fixtures. Saracens away, Exeter away. So I don't think anyone was panicking too much, but they've sort of slowly but surely climbing their way back up to where people expect them to be. And as you say, you know, if Leicester win, then suddenly there's a gap between them and Wasps. If Wasps win, then they leapfrog Leicester and they're into third place and suddenly their season's up and running. Season, it's all rosy again for Dai Young. He'll be, you know, he'll be celebrated. What do you reckon? He'd go out for a quiet <laughs> pizza or all you can eat somewhere? Well, he'd have more than one, I'd have to say. Yeah, I think, I think he'd celebrate with a, a quiet night in, personally. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of players coming back, though, for Tigers. Yeah. Cole, Genge, Youngs, uh, Ford, Johnny May. So they're getting real X-factor and stability back, Leicester, and maybe Manu Tuolangi as well. So it's a big, big game, that yeah, I think. It, it, game of the weekend for me. It is, and it's a repeat of last year's, um, you know, semi-final of either Premiership semi-final which Leicester were winning until three minutes to go so you know that tells you exactly how close it's going to be normally when you have home advantage you'd say it probably favours one side particularly more the home side but in this occasion because it's a derby and because of the history of the sides you know maybe not the most recent history but you know these are two sides that love to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with each other so you know I think it's uh, as you say the internationals coming up it's really on a knife edge that one yeah, we had an interesting meeting well I say it was interesting it was about data and stats this week. And um, how much do you think they've done some real strong analysis on this? And I think I'm allowed to say it because I didn't sign an NDA. Um, but how much points do you think it is playing at home value? And this has been proven now. Uh, well, there must be, there must be statistically, there must be an average. There uh, is an average, yeah. I would say 
four to five points. Oh my gosh, you should have. Are you a, are you a genius? <laughs> no. Did someone tell you about the meeting? <laughs> no. Oh well, it is. It's between four and five points. Yeah. Well done, Lawrence. Yeah. You have passed your first ever test. That's because I I, I give, gave away a lot of penalties, which were only worth three points. Worth <laughs> <place>. <laughs> yeah, but they say that uh, nothing to do with um, uh, the teams, but the referee is worth five points at home on average. Well, we did a lot of stats when I used to play against Leicester, and because they had the biggest crowd in the Premiership of any other team, the referee's decisions just at the Welford Road alone used to change as the game went on. Yeah, and that's why you had to play more and more field position down in Leicester's half as the game went on. Otherwise, you'd lose the game. So, any referees who are listening to this pod and who are thinking of refereeing up at the Rico at the weekend, <laughs> bear that in mind, will you? Bear that in mind. It's not the only game on Saturday. Today, though, we've covered two of them. Uh, Gloucester versus London Irish. Right, Gloucester at home, London Irish away. Uh, Gloucester win for me. Yeah, they will win. And uh, I have to say, and probably eat my words a little bit, um, didn't know much about um, the new coaches coming into the Gloucester setup, but they would, they've been the perennial underachievers every single year, haven't they? So yeah. I think they finished sixth, seventh, eighth. And everything that the way they started the season suggested that was going to be exactly the same. And I'll be the first one to admit I've been wrong about Gloucester uh, in our predictors. I've, I've always backed against them and they've really surprised me. You know, they had that victory against Exeter at the beginning of the season and then they just had a couple of bad performances. But you've got to say that uh, against London Irish, you fancy them to continue that run. Yeah, you certainly do. And then uh, Sunday, you travel back down to London, don't you? For uh... Oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, do you? no. Are you going? I'll, yeah, no, I'll be there Saturday. Should I, should I be... say where we're going first? I'll be there Saturday night. And Saturday then, night. And then, obviously, I'll get on the train. You'll have a sort of 250, 260-mile round trip. You chuck the traffic in. You'll be home in about midnight. No, I won't. I'm taking the fast car. <laughs> It'll take me about two hours. So, um, anyway, I shall be at Harlequins v Saracens, which is a belting game. That will be on BT Sport One and 4K UHD Sunday, 2:30 kickoff. Join us there. Join me there. Don't join Austin. He'll be uh, carving the roast I'm, beef. I'm putting the Christmas tree up. Actually, I don't know whether it's too yeah. early. The third. Are you going to go on the top of it this time? Uh, uh, no, not anymore. <laughs> I've put a bit of weight on recently. It might bend the branches. But and the kids are struggling to get me up there nowadays. Last year was a lot easier. I was cycling a lot. But um, yeah, neither team managed to win during the international break. Um, so. That will have to change, won't it? For, and Saracens, you look at the names they welcome back. Vunapola, George, Itoji, Farrell, Lazowski, Harlequins, Marla, Robshaw, Kerr, Brown. Yeah, there's always a little bit of edge between these two sides. I mean, <clears throat> I think Saracens have gone there in the past and won comfortably. Last year, Quinns actually won this fixture 17-10. I remember it being a really physical battle and Quinn sort of really up the ante. So, you know, as you say, both sides will be desperate to... You know, get that. You know, get that four, four, five points. You know, back on the uh, in the table, and it's going to be tough. And uh, you'd have thought that maybe Quinns can play all their stars and say, right, we've got Europe coming up. Maybe you can have a rest in the following two weeks. Don't think Quinns are expecting to qualify out of that group, are they? Well, they've got. They've, got, they've still got a chance. All, all the sides there in that group have got a chance. La Rochelle probably at, out in front. You have got Wasps obviously as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, who knows? Whereas uh, Saracens are all hands to the pump. Yeah, I mean, Saracens will want to win. Uh, if I was to put you on the line there, Austin, what would you say? I think, ooh, can I wait till I see the teams first? Because I think that will have a big influence. If Owen Farrell plays, Saracens win. There you go. You've heard it here. Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's fact. 
uh, it's pretty much, I think his win percentage is relatively high in a Saracen shirt. So let's see if he is playing. Okay. Uh, but there's, uh, they're going to be a little bit lack of confidence with both sides and they, they want to change that around. Uh, thanks very much, Lawrence. You enjoy that? Yeah, it was, I loved it. With I mean, the it, went, it went quickly, didn't it? Well, I mean, listen, when, you, when it's with Time you. in a really small blue room with me with a headset yeah, on. I was filled when it's <laughs> with you. What dreams are made of. It's always a little level above anyone else. Really, yeah, I, I agree. You are right sometimes. Uh, but thank you for listening as well uh, to the Rugby Tonight podcast. We're back on the road next week with the Rugby Tonight on tour crew visiting Battersea Ironsides in southwest London. Hugo Monia joins Martin Bayfield there to digest all the weekend's action. And Lawrence will be joined by Nick Mullins on the pod next week. Oh, my God, bring some matchsticks for your eyelids, lol. You'll certainly need them. But they're going to be trying to preview the return to European rugby action. Uh, and they'll be taking you through everything from our shores and abroad. Remember to subscribe to the pod so it's delivered straight to your device every Thursday morning. If you've enjoyed listening today, please give us five-star rating because the last time Lawrence had five stars, he nearly got promoted to the manager of the Reading branch of McDonald's. So give us five stars and uh, we'll see you next week. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.